I'm going to take a step back though for a minute. When we talked about biosecurity, to me, it feels like we were talking a lot about PERS. Are there any different recommendation you make for somebody who's thinking about a PED risk versus a PERS risk on their farm in terms of biosecurity measures? You know, down to the basics is always important, right? You want to break every step you can, whether it's a bench, whether it's a shower, whether it's a UV box. Breakpoints of entry of any item into your farm is key for both diseases, but I would say PED is even more important that we really believe that that's probably coming in through a, a vector or a fomite. In other words, it's coming in on an object of some sort. I don't think it travels very well through particles, at least in this area of the world. I know you get into like Oklahoma or Canada where it's a lot more open and a lot more wind that there's been instances where veterinarians really, really do believe or really have proof that it probably did come through dust particles or other items. But in our area, we've seen it more so brought in in some way, shape or another to the farm. And so we really focus on those breakpoints rather than filtration and surrounding area like we do on PERS. Now, don't get me wrong, if the incidence is really high in your area and you have a lot more virus load, everything becomes more important on how you enter people and how you enter supplies. If that UPS driver is stopping at other sites, that obviously have PED, all those become more of a risk in the area. So it's still a lot of the same topics, but slightly different. Yeah, I think with, uh, I think Ryan's made a great point with uh, PED, we just tend to have a lot more virus. Now, some of the PERS viruses today are getting closer to the PED virus as far as numbers. And so, uh, but uh, certainly PED, we know there's a lot of virus to deal with and uh, we want to make sure any of the uh, loadout procedures particularly is one of the concerns that we can run into. And so uh, making sure we're doing those procedures properly is really important. Um, you know, some of the work that's been done looking at the staged loadouts, I know uh, Dr. Holkamp had a student do a project looking at uh, staged loadout and the effect of contamination backwards. And so I do think that's one of the, in the grow finish, that's one of the one ways that we do get it is back from uh, the the coming back from the packing plant once it gets started and moving around the industry. And then once it gets into grow finish, then it tends to track around and get to the sow farms. That's why I think we see that time delay uh, when we see the outbreaks to when the sow farms are breaking. And so um, it's just trying to keep that risk down within areas, numbers down within areas. Sure, sure. Uh, Laura, I was just going to comment too on maybe feed risk differences between PED and PERS. So Dr. D published a proof of concept study in 2014 where he went to three sow farms that were had active cases of PED and they were able to identify PED in those feed bins, take the feed from those bins, challenge naive wean pigs, and create clinical infections. So that's really the proof of concept of PED and the feed as a vector. Um, then uh, Dr. D followed up in 2018 looking at survival of various viruses on feed ingredients. PED did, was able to survive on soybean meal, lysine, choline, um, and vitamin D, whereas with PERS, it was only able to survive on soybean meal. Also, as we look into the literature um, out of Canada after some of those initial breaks in 13 and 14, uh, some of those breaks were attributed to, to porcine plasma um, as a potential risk factor there. So those would be probably what I saw in the literature as some of the big differences from a feed risk standpoint of PERS versus PED. 